0: a few weeks ago uh, called relational rhythms. And the idea was is that God has given us things to do to help us grow in our relationship with him and with others. The classic way that this is described is called spiritual disciplines, but that sounds hard, so we called it relational rhythms. Thinking that that might be a better way for you to kind of grab hold of what the whole point is of doing these kinds of practices. You know, as Christians, well, I don't know if you've noticed, but we have this thing called bodies. That we don't have a kind of spirituality that's somehow detached from who we are, from our physical reality. And so it only makes sense that if we're going to grow in our relationship with God, we should practice things that are physical. And uh, unless we do those things, we really aren't going to be able to have a very meaningful relationship with God. And so we looked at the first two relational rhythms of prayer and Bible reading and how together they become a conversation, almost a lifestyle, of connecting and relating to God. Well, um, today we're going to be looking at something called gratitude. It's Thanksgiving weekend, and so uh, it's kind of lined up quite nicely that we're going to be looking at this topic. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I listen to people be grateful, it feels kind of fake. It's like, haven't you been in the world? Haven't you noticed that it's like a really hard existence? And, it, and sometimes it seems as though when people are, are being thankful and isn't everything great and, oh, it's just so good and God is so good, you kind of wonder whether they've been out lately. Because it seems as though th- things are hard and there's lots of difficult things to go through. And so uh, what we want to be able to do today is kind of have an honest look at what gratitude really is. And we're going to be looking at three aspects of uh, of gratitude. And so uh, the first thing that we're going to be looking at is that gratitude is we're grateful for blessings. This is the most obvious way that we think of of gratitude. When we think of of a Thanksgiving weekend, we're going to be thankful for the many blessings that God has given us. Well, Psalm 103, verses 2 to 5, describes what some of those blessings are. It says, "'Praise the Lord my soul, and forget not all his benefits.'" who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life in the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. That's what we sung about. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Uh, our life, I don't, know, I don't know where you're at personally in this moment, but we have been tremendously blessed by the living God. You know, I think about, I I just go through my life. There's something that's very common in scripture is a call to remember. And uh, I, I go through my life remembering the goodness of God in my life in the countless ways, physically, emotionally, spiritually, practically. There's so many things. Just this last week, I can just recount the miracles that have happened in my life because of the kindness and power of God. Uh, I've been listening, uh, oh, I think it was, oh, at least 30 years ago. Billy Graham came to, uh, came to Vancouver. I think it's the only time that he came here. And uh, Regent College, which is my alma mater, they were able to have an hour with him. They said in, in the five days that he was in Vancouver, he had three to 400 opportunities to speak or to have interviews with people. And so, I mean, he's just, if you know who he is, he's uh, just an amazing evangelist and has changed really millions of lives. Well, he gave a, a short talk and then just did kind of a Q&A, and so Regent students were asking him questions. It was so fun to kind of get behind a world-famous figure and just hear him talk. Super funny, very humble, very self-effacing. And he says, sometimes people ask me, which I would never think of asking him, are you a a pessimist or an optimist? And his response is, well, obviously I'm an optimist because I'm a Christian. And I'm optimistic because God is in control of the world and the world is moving towards his plans and purposes. I have good reason to be an optimist. I thought that was outstanding. Uh, So here's the challenge uh, being grateful for the blessings of God. This is the challenge, is our sight. Sometimes it's hard to see, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to see that God is, is really at work, alive in our lives today, doing good things. It's hard to see. I was reading a while ago, and there was this phrase that I really liked, that sometimes our tears can blur our vision. You've ever cried? You can't see very well, can you? Because your tears have have blurred your vision. Well, sometimes the pain in our life, the things that aren't going well, blurs our vision and and, and, uh, handicaps our ability to see all the great things that God has done in our life. Is that true for you? Sometimes it's true for me. It's hard to see that God is good. It's hard to see the many ways that he's answered prayers, that he's blessed us, in ways that we don't deserve but desperately need. What also blinds us is really our pride. Uh, I don't know if if anything sometimes has happened to you that's that's good and a good thing happens and and somebody will say, oh, that's so great. And then in your head, you usually won't say it out loud because it won't look good. But in your head, you go, yeah, but I was actually hoping for this. I was actually hoping for a little bit more. And so it's possible to live in such a way that we're blinded to see the goodness of God in our life. Yeah, um, there's a group of people who aren't nearly as, 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 uh, as large as, as sometimes we think they are, but they describe themselves as atheists, people who don't believe uh, in the reality of God. Um, if, you, if you fall under that camp, I can appreciate the challenges sometimes. But the challenges are less about an intellectual understanding and more about the ability to see the power and presence of God. I think about the times in my life when I've had big kind of cosmic questions about who God is and is he, is he really loving and, and sometimes people have come along and they've tried to convince me that he really is good. But what's changed me more than anything is my ability to see. And I say, God, help me see you. And then when you ask for him to reveal himself, it seems like he's everywhere. There's a, a quote that we used to quote a lot in, um, in Transformations. It says, uh, God has littered creation with evidence of himself. Isn't that a great quote? Uh, it's attributed to C.S. Lewis, but actually it's, we don't think that he's, he's given that quote. I don't know who said it, but I love whoever said it. That God has littered creation with evidence of himself. But sometimes we can be blind to that because of our pain, because of our pride, maybe even because of our fears. So this is how God responds to this. In Matthew 6.22, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Isn't that an interesting thing to say? That if you actually, if you and I actually could have the ability to see clearly It would change our lives. Most of our problems is distorted vision. Most of our problems begin by not being able to clearly see who God is. And as soon as we become blind by our pain or our pride, we get into all kinds of trouble and our whole, in a sense, body becomes polluted with darkness, as Matthew 6 goes on to describe. So the first challenge of being grateful is to have eyes to see the goodness of God in our lives. And if we don't see it, it's not an intellectual problem, it's a sight problem. And God specializes in restoring sight to the blind. You just simply need to ask him. Um, uh, Can I suggest to you that uh, being able to see is a learned practice. Being able to see is actually a learned practice. A number of years ago, I uh, maybe I've said this before, but a number of years ago, I I was um, I got an infection in my inner ear, and I lost my ability to have balance. I couldn't stand. As soon as I stood up, I would just fall over. Uh, it, it it got a little bit better so that I could walk after a few weeks. But then if I closed my eyes, I'd just fall over. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't stand up. <clears throat> so I went to a physiotherapist that specializes in people who can't stand up. <laughs> people who have inner ear problems. And I was given a whole bunch of exercises. You know, I had to close my eyes and stand on one leg and do all kinds of weird things. And I had to learn how to balance again. I had to actually be taught. I had to train my body to be able to be balanced? What if this is what we need with our eyes as well, that we actually need to learn how to see? Now, are you following me on this? Because there's ways to look at things and they go, God's not there, I've never seen him there. And you can have the exact same experience and you can go, there he is. Wow, I just can't believe all that he's doing. Or he never does anything for me. And the difference, it's not about the thing itself. It's whether we can see it or not. So that's number one, that the first, kind, uh, the first way to be grateful is for blessings, to be able to see those blessings. Number two is we're grateful by faith. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we're already hinting at this, and so now we'll dive deeper into it. It says, give thanks in all circumstances. Wow. Think of all the circumstances in your life and you're supposed to give thanks in every single one of those. That's a tall order. That's a little bit challenging. Why? Well, Romans 8.28 says this. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Um, This takes faith, doesn't it? So what is the challenge here? The first challenge is to be able to see when he is doing things. This is to be able to believe even when it looks like he's not doing things. Belief is even deeper than sight. John 20, verse 29 says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but when I'm, when I'm struggling to trust in God, one of the first places that I go to is wanting evidence. It feels like that's going to offset trust, that I, I, just don't, I just don't see the evidence. And so if God would, would prove himself, then I would trust in him. I mean, it's just that simple. But there's something about trust that can only be experienced, and you'll hate the answer, by trusting. There's just, there's just um, that something happens to us when we decide to trust that our trust becomes, becomes confirmed when it's in Jesus, it's really quite remarkable. The other place that I go when I struggle with belief is I first I look for evidence. And then when I do see some evidence, here's what I say. I go, it's just a coincidence. It's just, I mean, it just so happened that this churned out and this churned out. And then it was like a happy ending for a minute. It's all coincidence. Again, John 20 says, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Believing, just as be, be, seeing the goodness of God takes practice, believing in the goodness of God takes practice. It takes practice to believe. Uh, you're here, so, um, so congratulations. But I think for some people, uh, and maybe for you, you just, maybe this is your Thanksgiving weekend and you've come to be grateful, which is outstanding. Sometimes I think it takes faith to just show up on a Sunday. And what would, how could I can get all the information that I want online? Why would I bother going to church? Crowds make me nervous. I, uh, with, uh, with COVID going on, the, the risks are just too high. Um, it takes faith to come here, and then it takes faith to believe that God would meet you in this place. Another place that it takes faith to be grateful is in the area of correction. That God works all things together. When He disciplines us, it takes faith to believe that it's good. It just looks how could this how could this be good? Things are going so poorly. It's so, you know, life is so difficult. No, it's not discipline. It's just punishment. That's all that's going on. If God is alive, then he's just punishing me. It takes faith to believe that even in the difficult things that are going on, that God is at work in your life. So uh, we, we are grateful for blessings by being able to see. We, uh, we do that by faith. And uh, the way that we is we choose how to practice believing. I just need to say it's off our relationship with God. But Debbie and I have talked about this a lot. And when we talk about marriage, it's one of the key principles in marriage. That uh, what we have noticed in marriages is that if someone chooses to be grateful for their spouse, that spouse becomes more beautiful and amazing without ever changing. It's really remarkable. And so one of the things that we practice in our marriage, I practice it every day. I just thank God for all the different qualities of who Debbie is. And that as I'm thankful for it, I'm actually able to see better who she really is. The same is true in our relationship with God. And finally, we're grateful in worship. for blessings by faith and in worship. Hebrews 12, 28 says this, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. So have you ever thanked God for being a consuming fire? That's a little bit of a stretch, isn't it? Do we worship God for being just and holy and righteous? We sang about that today. I just thought it was so interesting that you would choose a song on Thanksgiving to be about holiness. But this is exactly what this verse says to do. In reverence and awe, we thank God for being almighty. One of the things that uh, I understand from counseling and psychology is, um, is how afraid we are of being controlled. Nobody wants to be controlled. We want to be independent beings making our own decisions, doing what we want, when we want. And as soon as somebody comes along that tries to control us, we're sure that that's wrong. And then God comes along and says, I would like to be your Lord. I'd like you to surrender to me, and I'd like you to do, yes, obey me. To do what I say more than what, even what you would want to do. This is what I'm asking of you. That's incredible. Can we be thankful for that? Can we say, thank you, God, that I don't have to invent my life I simply get to obey you and do what you want me to do. Well, this would be a radically different kind of life, wouldn't it? Simply doing what God calls us to do. So here then is to worship God, to be thankful for who he is, to worship him regardless of how blessed we feel in any given moment. I think this is, uh, this is life-changing stuff. You know, I watch myself and I watch other people who, whose um, gratitude and worship of God is directly proportional to how happy they are in their life. And, if, and if, if I'm not happy, then God isn't real. If something negative happens in my life, how dare God do that to me? Doesn't he know how special I am? And so... Uh, Gratitude hasn't completed its work in our heart until we're able to be grateful for who God is, even when he's not doing exactly what we think he should do, that we would worship him simply for who he is, not for what he does for us. I don't know how, you know, I struggle to know how to explain this to you, that this could be more powerful than just worshiping a God who always does whatever we want him to do. There's something about worship that liberates us from a self-serving life. So what's the challenge here? If our first challenge was sight, our second challenge was belief. The final challenge that we're looking at here is idolatry. In Exodus 23, it says, "'You shall have no other gods before me.'" that the challenge that faces us if we're to live a life of gratitude is to honor God as God and have no other competing gods. In the West, the primary God that fights to have first place in our hearts is the God of self. You know, uh, God says to us, I want you to worship me regardless of how you're feeling in any given moment. I want you to worship me as God in reverence and in fear. And we go, that's horrible. I would, regardless of, no, I'm only going to worship you if you deserve it. What's ironic is that we worship ourselves regardless of how we're doing. You know, we worship ourselves, we're having a horrible day, we're depressed and anxious and confused and lonely and afraid. Still worship ourselves. We worship ourselves regardless of how we're doing. And God says, I want you to worship me regardless of how you're doing because I'm worthy to be worshiped. I'm creator of heaven and earth. I've made you. And, and the future is in my hands. And if you knew who, how powerful I am, you would, be, uh, you would be overwhelmed. There's a book that I, I, I read to my kids. It's called The Magic Bicycle. It's about a boy who found a, a magic bicycle. And this bicycle was made by the three kings. And it's an analogy about him learning how to live in cooperation with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in his life It was in the form of a bicycle. But then he, he meets his, uh, his grandfather, and he discovers that other things were made by the three kings, not just a bicycle. That uh, one of the things that his grandfather had was special aviator glasses. You know those old-fashioned glasses that pilots a 100 years ago or so used to wear. And what these glasses do is they allow you to look deeper. And so the grandfather says, what I want you to do is I want you to put them on, but put them on up here right now. And I'm going to hold you. And he says, why would you need to hold me? He says, well, I'm just going to hold you. And what I want you to do is I just want you to put them on for a second. That's all you'll need. And so the grandfather grabs the, the, uh, his grandson by the shoulders and he says, okay, now. And he takes the glasses and puts them on for a split second, he is thrown back into the grandfather's arms and lies down limp. And he, he comes to after a little while and he says, uh, what was that? And the, and the grandfather says, that's reality. That's reality from the, from, I'll use Christian language now. From the eyes of God, that He was given a glimpse to see the world from God's point of view. Wouldn't that be incredible? To be able to see yourself in the world around you and who He is from His point of view. Man, I think if we could catch even a, a, a half a second of a glimpse of who God is. The Bible says, those who have have fallen down as though dead. So overwhelmed. What breaks my heart is I watch so many uh, in our society walking around strutting as if they're the king of the world. Oh, that we could catch a glimpse of who God is. We would worship him with our whole lives for eternity. So what does God invite us to practice to do? To worship him regardless of what's going on in our life. We practice being able to see him at work. We practice trusting him and we practice worshiping him regardless of how we think it's going. As we live in this kind of practice of gratitude, it dramatically changes our lives. One of the things that If you go for counseling, one of the things that will probably be brought up, it depends on, I guess, what you're going for counseling for, but one of the things that often gets brought up is this idea of catastrophic thinking. Have you ever heard of this phrase before? That it's a way of looking at reality as the worst possible outcome of what's going to be happening in my life. It's very common that we think in that way. We see something happen and we go, oh, I know where this is going, and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. I'm horrible and nobody's going to love me. It's catastrophic thinking. The only way that catastrophic thinking is, is, is we're freed from it is through worship, is through seeing God for who he is. And if he's in control, then we're allowed to be optimists. Not in some naive way that everything is gonna work out just the way that we want, but that God is in control and we can trust him to be true and holy and righteous. So in conclusion, gratitude is an act of obedience. Have you ever thought of it that way? That we actually practice being grateful. Isn't that an interesting way to think? I think that I'm grateful when a good thing happens, and it just kind of is obvious that I should be grateful right now. Well, uh, Scripture tells us to choose to be grateful, not just be spontaneously so. In 1 Thessalonians 5, we already read part of it, but we'll read the rest. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, it says, rejoice always, wow, pray continually and then give thanks in all circumstances and get this, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will for us is to be thankful always in the form of being grateful for blessings Believing that he's in control and worshiping him for who he is, regardless of how we're doing. God's will for us is to practice gratitude in our daily reality. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't imagine something more powerful in revolutionizing our lives. Is seeing blessings, trusting that he's good, and worshiping him for who he is. This has the potential of radically changing our lives. We think of the anxiety that cripples us. We think of the depression that we wrestle with. We think of the confusion and loneliness that we struggle with. Gratitude is an antidote. But this antidote isn't taken with kind of a a magic wand that that you touch yourself once and it's all fixed. It's a practice. It's a way of living. It's a relational rhythm that just as we're grateful, I choose to be grateful for our spouse and our friends and our church family and our coworkers, we choose to be grateful to God, acknowledging who he is. I think the, a first act of gratitude after a sermon like this could be communion. So if we can invite the worship team to come up. We're going to have some people. We're going to be on either side. And what we'd like you to do, we can't pass along a tray because that's not, we, we can't do that these days. It's not uh, very sanitary. So what we're going to be inviting you to do during this song is to come forward and just receive the cup. Go back to your seat. And then after the song is over, I'm going to uh, lead us through a time of, of receiving that uh, that bread and wine. So uh, let me pray, and uh, if we can have those who are doing communion, you can come on forward right now, and then you can receive that. There's gonna be, some are gonna be stacked too high, so just make sure you just take one of them. Father, I thank you that you are Lord, and that you are Savior. And that you are Lord and Savior, whether I feel like you're Lord and Savior or not. It really has nothing to do with it. You are Lord, and you are Savior and this is who we worship you to be. And so I ask on behalf of my friends that you would give us eyes to see how that's true, that you would help us believe in your goodness and strength, that even if we go through discipline, even when we do things that don't seem to be immediately beneficial, that we would trust that you're good, that we would trust that you're great and that you're in control of our lives. So Father, I ask that you would uh, give us the courage to receive communion today, that this would be a demonstration of our gratitude to you.